ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between, welcome to another episode of the Chaps Chat Cats. See, it's interesting. I've said that the show is in three parts with a half, so I don't know how that exactly works. I was homeschooled. Don't come at me. Math. Math <laughs> is hard sometimes. As my dad used to say, there's only three certainties in life. Death, taxes, and lots of wankers. <laughs> <laughs> welcome. Time travelers, um, if you are a time traveler, please let us know. We've just given Sam two perfect <laughs> opportunities to call on his wankers of the week. All right, and... guys. Yeah, <laughs> that, move that, on. let's move on. Let's that move audio on. Audio delay. <laughs> the audio delay is horrible. That two seconds being like, oh, there's a pause. Let's like hammer on. <laughs> I keep seeming like an absolute dick because I keep like talking over the top of you guys. I can that. feel just a solitary lonely bead of sweat going down the back of my calf <laughs> weaving its way from one hair follicle to the next <laughs> oh delightful oh, good to be alive ladies and gentlemen boys and girls and everybody in between it is bloody brilliant to be alive and it's bloody brilliant to be in the virtual studio once again it's that time of the week it's podcast day my name is jake botel and i'm joined in the virtual studio, as always, by the one and only, the incomparable Johnny the Whip Larkin. How are you, Johnny? Oh, I'm fantastic. How are you? The full mesh, Botel, Jacob. <laughs> I am feeling absolutely sensational. I can already tell it's going to be a fantastic show because we spent half an hour frigging around with um, audio <laughs> stuff. We got in early. We're like, um, hey, we're technical. on time. Issues. <laughs> we even said, hey, we're on time. We're ahead of schedule. This yeah. never happens. And then half an no. hour later, uh, we finally <laughs> got going. Um, awesome. Awesome to be in the virtual studio again. Always look forward to uh, um, Tuesday nights. Tuesday nights uh, are fast becoming a favorite of my night. Um, one of my nights. And yeah, it is fantastic to be back in the studio with all the uh, football happening now we've got aflw vflw aflm and vflm happening all and it's bloody fantastic (laughs) yeah absolutely nailed it johnny um and uh you know who else we're glad to have here with us on tuesday night the listener at home or at work or driving to the casino to put your life savings um you know turn that car around go get some better advice for your finances but uh keep us the geelong cats membership (laughs) that's there you go that's a much better investment (laughs) go get yourself a cats membership get yourself and your finances looked after proper um but yeah look we we appreciate we appreciate all the listeners um out there all listeners yep who plug us into their ear holes uh it just if makes it's, us um, feel wonderful it makes us feel good even if you're listening two years into the future that's right um or listening on the day it comes out we we still appreciate the listen it it makes our day uh it makes us feel good if you're listening to this Um, in like 90 years and we are long gone um be sure that our spirits appreciate your listen dear people absolutely (laughs) johnny so much so much footy to get into um and by the way just so much 
if you enjoy the podcast, tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell anybody to have a listen to the Chap Chats cat. The Chaps Chat Cats get in on the ground floor <laughs> of this burgeoning pon- uh, podcast empire. Um, let's Jeez, get you're, uh, off. <laughs> right you're all over the place. <laughs> I need one of those halftime speeches here. Um, all right. Episode <laughs> number nine, Johnny. Um, and this number is nine. Bit of a uh, mea culpa or uh, come to Jesus moment here for me because I mucked this up last time. Every every weekend or every week we do the episode number, and we name famous cats who have worn the number. Um, yeah. The chair that I'm sitting on is creaking. I don't know if you can hear it, but it sounds like I I'm, can't hear okay, it. Okay, that's all right. It sounds like I'm in a cheap motel. Um, recording this and there's things happening between thin walls hey. that are, yeah that we don't want to know about on a podcast. Who knows? The listener doesn't know. That's right. I it's know where you are. I can happens. see where you are, but maybe the listener doesn't yeah. know. You could be in a creepy uh, motel. hotel yeah, somewhere on the road. Motel, hotel. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, anyway, it was a bit, bit of a stuff up on my part. I said last week that Roop Brownlee's uh, wore the number eight for the cats, but it was wrong. He wore the number nine. So there we go. I've name dropped him for episode number nine. Off the top, Johnny, now do you want to name any or all of the Geelong number nines that you are aware of? I can name two. Tell I me. can name the, um, another one from our glory days of 2007, 2009 and I believe 2011 grand finals and all between that um the great ever reliable james kelly who also went on to play a few game or one or two years with the bombers during their um big saga and another cats player that's wearing a number nine as we speak um is jordan ivy for the geelong AFLW side. Very good. So I, did she, some, she, I did a bit of research this week. Very good. Very good. Um, so she's picked it up from uh, Nina Morrison, who was wearing the number nine when she was playing. Um, and then, or I'll, hopefully, I'll, hopefully, we'll get Nina Morrison back. That'd be, that'd be absolutely ace if we could get her back. Um, there's also uh, Leo Turner, who wore it. While playing yep. 100, 130 games for the Cats from 1947 to 1954. John Devine, who wore it in 118 games for the Cats in the 60s. Mick Turner, who played 245 games for the Catters and kicked 285 goals in, in stints from 1974 to 84 and then 86 to 88. And currently wearing the uh, number nine for the Cats is 18-year-old Max Holmes, uh, is the latest number Excellent. nine for the Cats, yet to debut, but drafted number 20 in the 2020 national draft. So we could see him this year, possibly. That's correct, in the AFLM. All right, Johnny, so episode number nine, let's crack in. Let's start off with looking back at week eight for the AFLW Cats. Um, now, they headed down to Cadinia Park for their final home game of the season after a disappointing road trip to uh, WA, let's be honest, against the Eagles last week. The game opened, Johnny, in an expectedly gritty, 
tough physical style. And that was the tone setter for the afternoon as the two teams traded tackles and tried to manipulate the ball around the field. The opening goal was kicked after an ill-advised switch kick across the back 50 with Zareka goaling for GWS. Now, McWilliams was up and about early for the Cats, and she snapped a goal under pressure from close range to level the scores, and it was 7-7 going in at the first change. And this is where uh, former Gaelic footballer Cora Staunton, who played for Mayo in the uh, GAA, she chimed in and kicked an early goal in the second quarter for the Giants. And that, John, dear John, proved to be effectively the match winner as the teams went back and forth in a desperate high-energy affair for the remainder of the game. Now, after the Irish woman's goal, neither team registered another major for the game, despite the best efforts of both midfields to get the ball into their forwards. Now, Geelong's best opportunities to take this game uh, by the scruff of the neck were in the second and fourth quarters where they dominated the ball in the forward half. Unfortunately, they just couldn't get a clean look at the goals and the Giants held firm. There's no shame for the Cats' defense either. They held the Giants at bay for the vast majority of the afternoon. And ultimately, John, it was fitting that Cora Staunton laid the game-winning tackle that led to a turnover in possession and the Giants being able to see out the game. This was an even contest statistically in terms of possession, clearances, and inside 50s, but the Giants' ability to mark the ball inside 50, uh, which they did eight times to two, made a big difference. The Cats out-tackled the Giants 66-53, to indicating the effort they brought to the hunt. Your thoughts, Johnny, on this 16-9 to loss to the tough Giants down at home in Cadinia Park? It's um, a big case of just so many missed opportunities for the Cats. But there was, we had a lot of, as you said, a lot of the, um, the ball in that second and fourth quarter we had so many opportunities to capitalize and just couldn't get there it was it was they played a really good game it was a really tough hard fought game and we definitely gave ourselves every opportunity to win the game unfortunately the Giants defense held firm and there wasn't there wasn't much space out there for anyone to really move the ball um for either team and it's the score suggests goals were not easy to come by. Even points were not easy to come by. So, um, you know, the Cats, they may feel disappointed by this loss, but they can also hold their heads up high to sh- that they had so many opportunities to get the goals, get get the win. Um, it's just, yeah, again, it's just that matter of sometimes the ball just doesn't bounce your way. Sometimes you're just don't have that enough experience to know that maybe you should take your shot then instead of trying to evade a tackle or step around someone. And um, yeah, I think it's it's definitely an um, indicator of what the cat season has been of that roller coaster of one week being really good, the next week not being so good, and then coming back up again. And it makes next week's game that much more interesting. But um, hmm. I do believe we're in. A, We've said it many times. We're in a good spot. We'll keep improving. Um, there's a lot of good. I feel like the whole team played a really good game this week. They're all working well together. There wasn't many who really didn't um, perform too like badly. They all mm. 
I felt like, oh, we're there as a team. They're all there wanting to get that win. Um, and unfortunately, just the opportunities just weren't taken when we had them. And even experienced players like um, McDonald, mm. they felt, um, felt the pressure of the Giants. And the Giants also felt the pressure of the Cats. So many experienced players just couldn't find the right target. There was a lot of a lot of high high kicks going both ways. A lot of errant handballs, and yeah, it was just one of those games where there wasn't a whole lot of time to process what you needed to do to get the ball and pass that pass the ball off to the next player. It was just tackle after tackle after tackle. It was it was a good game. It was an exciting game to watch. If you're a neutral supporter, you would have gone, this is a great game to watch. It's a great game to see. But as a supporter, it's like, oof. If we just had that extra second, mm. we could have had our first win. But, you know, that's AFL footy. It's um, tough. It's it's hard. And it can be heartbreaking sometimes. But, yeah, I feel like a good Good performance overall by all the girls, and they should hold the head high and carry on this momentum to the last game against Gold Coast. I think that's a great point, Johnny, and I think you summed it up really well. It was tackle after tackle, and we talked about this going into the game um, on the back of the show last week. That this was, a, you know, a physically tough GWS outfit who love a scrap like. I've watched yes. parts of their games a couple of times this season. They are a really physical team. Um, and, you know, one thing that impressed me, I guess, was that we were able to hold them to just the 16 points, just the six scoring shots. But something that stood out to me, uh, Johnny, was was the speed factor. Um, so this team didn't have that like the West Coast Eagles did. So this was a difference I noticed that, the Giants basically didn't possess that same run and carry speed that the Eagles had last week. And I think it's going to be an interesting thing to look back at across this season. And that's how the Cats can put pressure on those teams that are going to bring elite speed and dash. If you think yes. of maybe a player like Stephanie Williams, who's an absolute jet, um, you know, she could maybe come back into the side and be one to add more of that midfield pressure to the teams that have speed and, and, you know, and then maybe be able to punish the other team going the other way. But that was just something I noticed that maybe the Cats have struggled with at times this season is when teams can move the ball quickly at speed. They really, yeah, definitely. They really toughed it out with the Giants. And I feel like, you know, that, that GWS lack of real sheer speed, like, I mean, the Eagles just had some absolute dashes up in Perth. I feel like that probably played to the Cats' strength. The Cats aren't scared to, to tackle hard for the ball. They're not scared to get involved in a scrap. Um, but we maybe just don't quite have that total team speed um, to, to shut some of these fast-paced offences down. What Do you do you think that's accurate? Uh, yeah, I believe that's definitely accurate. Um, the thing about past games against like Carlton, Bulldogs, West Coast, Collingwood, they all have those fast players that can break the line and the Cats really didn't have much answers for those teams when mm. those players did break the line and run and use their speed. And you could tell, but yeah, the Giants just didn't have that same 
ability to break the line and use a play that had that speed. Mm. So yeah, it was it's it's something that the Cats will need to look into. Um, after the Giants game, that speed is one of the things that they may have the weakness in. That we have, a, well, may we don't. There's no may about it. We definitely do have a weakness against mm. teams that use the speed really well. So yeah, I think we do need to look into maybe getting some speed, more speed into our game. Hopefully, getting um, Stephanie Williams back in the team, mm. maybe this week mm. against the Suns. Um, I haven't seen much of the Suns. I feel like they're pretty same level as us. They haven't won a game this season yet, so it's going to be a it's going to be a a tough game up at Metricon or mm. in the Gold Coast, wherever they play um, the AFLW. There. But yeah, I do agree. There, the speed is an issue, um, and something that girls can look into during the off season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I just think it's, it is worth noting, you know, like obviously, um, hmm. and they'll be going back and self-scouting all of this stuff and looking, okay, where do we fall down? Yeah. I do think, you know, it's something maybe that they've struggled with, you know, sort of on, on both sides of the ball, if you follow me, that that it's something yeah. that the Cats haven't done that well this season is is being able to attack with a bit of run and dash and by hand and, 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 and like you say, break the lines. And it's also something that maybe that we've struggled to defend against as well. So you can kind of maybe look at addressing that on both sides, both sides of the footy. Um, I thought the midfield, Johnny, like just tireless effort from that engine room um, – you know, and you look at Amy McDonald, 11 tackles, Lauren Gardner, 11 tackles, Julia Crockett Grills, seven tackles. You know, it's one of the hardest working groups of sort of midfielders, I reckon, in the AFLW. They had 29 of the Cats' 66 tackles, those uh, three players. Um, so just under half. And it just feels like with Purcell, Webster, and Morrison all together in the side, this midfield could be really. Uh, really dangerous, and they just need some help on the outside. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't think there's any issues with our midfield, our defence. Our attack is still fairly young, but um, there's still great signs there. Like Olivia Barber took her absolute screamer of the mark. Um, so she's coming along. And then just the way she followed that up with a few jump of punches as they called it and got in the face of the Giants defender I thought yes that's what we need we need a big strong forward who's not afraid to um not afraid to get in the, the defensive face and just push him around and that, I thought that was pretty fantastic to see but yeah the, the, I, I think the Cats have got this great foundation for success and it's like just like any other team, it's like if they can just stay fit, keep fit um, for this for next season, um, and, and maybe hopefully the season after. And you know, if we keep going along those lines, and Morrison comes back, and Parcel can come back, um, Webster, I think we've got a good foundation. Just got to keep him fit, keep him healthy. And we'll be, um, I think the Cats will be pretty well off. We, there's not much, I don't think there's a lot of downside to the team. I think there's a lot of upside and a lot of promise there. So yeah. it's exciting times. Absolutely. And, you know, no, no one's going to like um, 
you know, being 0 and 8 and all that sort of thing. But like you said, you've got to keep perspective. You've got to keep that long-term vision that, as you said, there's a good foundation. There's a great foundation here, and not just in the AFLW, but the VFLW, um, you know, all those sort of local footy sides that the Cats can build around. It's a strong footy culture down in Geelong, um, all through the levels. So, yeah, I think there's there's so much positivity around this side. I think there's a few Muppets online who, you know, go, oh, oh, blah, blah, they're no good and I'm cancelling my membership because you have a women's team and all this sort of bullshit. I think if you can, you know, if you can ignore those knuckle draggers and mouth breathers, you know, and, and you know, just look at look at the positives, look at the foundations, yes. ignore the result. It, it is what it is. You, the, this team will keep doing the work. The club will keep doing the work to develop things, and you know that the results will come. The results will take care of themselves as the process is followed. So, um, all steam Absolutely. ahead with this team. All right, Johnny. Um, now we're we're going to push on pretty heartily here because we are experiencing all sorts of oh. uh, rumblings and churnings with the internet here. Um, Absolutely, so, it's um, it hasn't been I'm this gonna, bad before. No, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna badmouth, you know, my internet service provider on the off chance that we eventually get a sponsorship or something. You just never know. You don't want to burn those <laughs> bridges. Uh, so, yeah, I no. won't mention who that um, is. Um, all right. So let's. Obviously, we've got one more game in the AFLW. That's against the Suns, and we're going to preview that in the uh, second half of the episode. So we come to the all-important uh, best player votes. Johnny, uh, do you want to go first? Oh, I'm happy to go first. Right. Yeah, go first. Take it. Take it. Do it. So first for my no, um, first vote, one yes. vote so I'm going to give to um, the Megatron and McDonald. Megatron, 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 Megatron. Yes. I just felt like, again, she just played another solid game in defence. Um, yeah, she had a few minor hiccups um, trying to uh, switch the ball, but I feel like there's there's that that happens when you try and open the other team up. But I felt like she played another solid game in defence and deserved a vote, uh, one vote. Two votes is going to... The other McDonald, Amy McDonald, I feel like she just played, again, another solid game, like 11 tackles, nearly got us a great goal there all the time and just just powering on nicely. And my three votes, I thought this person definitely deserved it, um, Julia Crockett-Grills. I feel like, again, she just... I haven't seen a game where she hasn't dropped below, below a certain level. She's always just been so consistent every single game. She doesn't do anything flashy. She doesn't do anything spectacular. She just does what is needed of her. And what more can you want from a midfield? Um, it's those types of players that make teams and win you premierships and win you games. And if you can continue this just solid game gameplay for however many years it would be fantastic mm. for the cats so yeah she gets my three votes 
Absolutely. Yourself. All right. Well, I think we must have watched the same game somehow, Johnny. So I'm, I gave my, <laughs> my, my one vote to Amy McDonald. Um, oh, so nice. one vote to Amy. I agree with all you said. Um, can't really add much more. Just an ever-present contributor and, um, you know, not does not shy away from the contest when the battle is raging. Uh, my two votes went to... Uh, so they each get three votes this week in total, <laughs> which means that Amy McDonald still has a two-vote two lead here. Oh, over next week's the big game. And then finally, Johnny, and I think this was a week where uh, JCG got exactly the recognition she deserves from the Chaps Chat Cats. She's had, you know, some one votes and two votes across the season, but I also gave my three votes and best on ground to oh. Julia Crockett Grills. Um, she nice. does so much work that doesn't show up on a stats sheet. Um, and I just think she was, yeah, the best player on the ground. She's such a hard nut at the ball and oh, just love, love watching her play. So to update the standings for you as we turn for home, as we head into the last week of the AFLW season, we've got Amy McDonald on 23 votes after eight weeks, followed closely mm. by Megatron, Megatron, Megatron. Uh, Megatron, Meg McDonald on 21 votes, five votes further back is Becky Webster. And uh, then four votes further back is Julia Crockett Grill. So they're your top four after eight weeks. Amy yes. McDonald, Meg McDonald, Becky Webster, and Julia Crockett Grills, which is, a, I think, a fair representation um, of how the AFLW Cats have gone. Absolutely. All right. Now, we're not at the uh, middle section of the show. We're not at halftime yet. We are yet. Normally, we've got another we game. <laughs> This is an epic mega show, Johnny. We've got week one of the AFL-M. Uh, the Cats week one. went to Adelaide to take on last year's Salad Dwellers, the, the Adelaide Crows. Now, going to, into this game last week, Johnny, you and I talked about that there may be, uh, you know, a bit of a slow start for the Cats men's team. You know, this is, they only played one preseason game. They might take a while to find their feet. And that was absolutely true. That's how it played out. Now, what you and I didn't account for was the Crows coming out and playing one of the most absolutely white-hot games of footy, um, and talk about a half of footy, that you're ever likely to see. Now, the warning signs were there for the Cats, I thought, in the first quarter as the Crows hit the ground running and kicked three of the first four majors of the game. Now, the Cats seemed to settle a little then, but then the Crows nailed a seven goal to three second term, including th a three goal blitz in the final 10 minutes of the first half to blow the advantage out to 38 points at the main break. Now the Cats nabbed the first goal of the second half before Adelaide added another two majors to stretch the lead to 86 to 43 midway through the third term. And at this point in time, we're thinking, oh, mud on, like what's going to happen here? Um, and that's where Geelong kicked into gear. They kicked four goals in eight minutes to close out the term, and they trailed by just 19 points as the teams turned for home. It was a gripping final quarter. The, term, the teams traded behinds before a Harry Schoenberg and Billy Frampton 
set of goals. Either side of a Cats major to Isaac Smith seemed to put the home side in the clear. But the Cats, however, still weren't done. Isaac Smith goaled again for the second time in six minutes, and the Cats looked as though they might steal this game late. But misses to Higgins, Guthrie, and Hawkins meant that a Grian Myers goal at the 24-minute mark came just a little too late as the home team Crows held on for a much-deserved upset victory over the Mighty Cats. Uh, the Crows winning 15-13-103 to 13-13-91. Johnny, I mean, your initial thoughts on this game. What, what a game for the neutrals out there. Um, absolutely. And first off, so this, um, how fantastic it would be for the Crows fans yeah. in Adelaide and across Australia. They've had a pretty horrid few years since 2017. <laughs> um, I think we can easily say it's been a pretty much a horror show. Like the amount of crap they've had to watch their team go through. Um, I don't think many teams can say they've experience what the Crows have experienced. So for them to start off this new season on a, a fairly big high would be a relief. It would be a relief for them to see some fight, some a bit of pride in the Crows jumper. Um, it gives them a bit of hope that any, anyone else in the league, um, any other fans like ourselves, didn't think was there. So, um, yeah, it's just, I think as Crows fans, there'll be many very happy a bit more hopeful, a bit more excited for 2021 for the Crows. But, um, yeah, it was a great win for them. Um, the Cats, yeah, they were just a bit flat, a bit just not just a bit like Brisbane coming up against Sydney. Um, mm. I watched that a bit of that game and I saw the Cats and the Lions, they played a very similar game where they just, they just weren't there mentally. They felt like they had thought it was going to be a fairly simple win. Just go there, get the job done, walk away to win. They weren't expecting such desperation, such ferocity from a team that finished so low. Um, but that's that's football. You gotta, you can't just sit back and expect to win a game against a lower side. But apart from that, I, I thought we played a fairly. Apart from that first half, we played a pretty good game. There was. Good upside, good signs. Um, I'm not worried about, at all for the Cats just yet. It's the first game. There's still another 21 games to go. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm not stressed just yet. Um, the Cats, they never seem to start. They either start really, really well of the season or fairly poorly, but they always find their feet somewhere during the season. And, yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not stressed. Um, our new recruits, they looked good. So Smith and Higgins, they looked, they looked pretty good. They added a nice element to our game. Selwood, again, he played just what he does every week. Guthrie was good. Atkins, I feel like he's really enjoying his new position in the, the defence with the uh, misfits, as they call themselves. Um, but, yeah, I feel like... Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's. It was a bit of a disappointing start. It's not what you would. We wanted to see. It's not what we expected. But said, so, uh, I'm not too worried. It was at Adelaide. It's always tough to play mm. a team at the home in an interstate 
interstate team. Um, we played him last year at the home ground, and that was a very tough game that we only barely won. So, mm. yeah, and yeah, it's just. Do you think this is one of those things, up. though? To Johnny, like you know, you talked about sort of like you know you're not worried about the cats, and I'm I'm of the same mind. It's a long season, but you know this is part of the the thing with following a side that's been successful so long. Um, it's part of just following any team, really. Like I was looking at some of the week one, basically overreaction. You know, now you've got yep. people going, oh, the Crows, you know, they're, maybe they'll push for the finals. Um, you know, you've got people saying that the Cats are in serious trouble. I already saw an article from Damien Barrett. I don't know if it was an article or a video, but Damien Barrett coming out and saying that, you know, this Hawkins focus attack of the uh, Cats, that's a serious problem for Geelong. I felt like saying, Jesus Christ, it's almost as though Damien Barrett has only just tuned into a Cats game. Like this has been a problem for bloody absolute yonks. Like, yeah. this, like, why else would we recruit guys like Gary Rowan, Josh Jenkins, who look pretty good, by the way, and Jeremy yeah. Cameron? Like, we know we've had this issue with one focal point up forward. Sometimes I just wonder, you know, uh, I mean, people are creating headlines. It's 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 going to get, it's a very, uh, you know, to use corpo language, you know, it's very snackable content. You know, people want to click in and, oh. you know, have a look at the cats are in trouble. But, you know, another thing that people don't mention, John, um, the missing soldiers for the Cats on the weekend. No Zach Tui, no Jack Henry, yep. no Mitch Duncan, yep. no Jeremy Cameron. Four absolute, no doubt, starters for the Cats. And look, it's oh, fine. Absolutely. Like, no, I don't want anyone to make excuses and exceptions for Geelong. You know, the reality is you would think if your aspirations are to go in and have a top four team again, um, you want to come in and win this game. However, it's kind of like walking into an ambush in week one. You play a team that you go, well, last week, they, last year they finished bottom. You've got no idea what their off seasons look like or how, how much more motivated they are or how better coached they are. And you basically get jumped out the gate and you find yourself in a street fight and in the end, you you know, you almost pull it back, but just can't get it done. Like, I think we read way too much into, you know, week yeah, one. Absolutely. And to go back on that Tom Hawkins thing, the attack, of course, we're going to be focused on Hawkins' attack. He's a big, huge the best guy. He <laughs> <laughs> was the best forward in 2020. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's not someone you miss on a footy field. You always... Team, he's a, as I said, he's a massive guy, he's a big focal point of that attack, and it's, it's exactly why we brought Rowan in and Cameron in, like, is to help him out. Of course, he's going to be our focal point when the when Jeremy Cameron's not there. Um, Gary yeah. Rowan can't do what Hawkins does, he's not as big, he's not as strong as Hawkins, but he's a bit faster. He's Rowan's more of that small to medium mm. player who can take a great grab, but also does a lot more chasing. Um, and also, yeah, it's just, I feel like it's every year the media likes to go after the cats saying, this will be the last year. The cats are going to fall off the cliff next year. Blah, blah, blah. We've heard it for what, since 2011, every yeah. year. And yep. since 2011, we've missed the finals once. So I think they need to look at look at um, other things. Like uh, I don't 
And it's one of those things where the cats, yeah, it's, we have been successful mm. for such a long time. And you see the hawks who won, who have been really successful and they've sort of fallen off and dropped out of the eight the last couple of years. Mm. And then they expect the cats to do that. But that's different teams, different systems, different everything, different coaching staff. You can't just treat every team as successful for a period of time and they're going to drop off. I feel like the and cats. It's, it's one extremely week. Sick. Yeah, it's one week. It's, it, and, and it's week one always, like that out of, out of any <laughs> It's it, it's the most difficult to judge. Like we we yeah. haven't got any game tape to look at. Like you can throw no. twenty twenty out the window. That's gone. Yeah. That's in the rearview mirror. So we we've got no it's, idea. Um, and you know, yeah, as they were saying, the the crows after the preseason game were destined for bottom on the ladder after a preseason game. Yeah, and look what happened. You can't at the, judge a team yeah. off one game i don't like to suggest that adelaide could make the finals that's that's a huge thing to say mm. and that's a big thing to give crows fans hope but that's that could give a lot of crows fans a lot of hope going oh maybe they made it right maybe we could make the finals but i think there's a lot of other teams that will get there before the crows do like they're still they're still going to have a tough year, I believe. Mm. But just from that one game, there is a lot of hope there for the Crows. And who knows, they could just turn it around like that. And who knows, the Cats could just fall to cliff like that. Yeah. But yeah, we don't know. We don't know. Like, who knows? No, we don't know. And, and the thing with it too is, like, if the Crows play like that every week, then, yeah. Then they they should be penciled in as as at least a, a competitor for the finals. But the thing is, as the AFL so often you know proves in, in every division. Look at look at in the AFLW. You know you've had teams like Collingwood who have looked brilliant all season suddenly cop an absolute pasting from someone. You know Frio have you know copped a thrashing. You know I think a week or two ago in that in yeah. the AFLW. Like the AFL M's the same. It's hard to play your best week to week, and it's hard because you're going up against teams that are also trying to play their best. Like, I don't know, I just get a bit sick of the, like we're one week in. The, as I said to you via text, let's not remember that the Richmond Tigers started last year with one win, two losses, and a draw. And there was so yeah. much talk about, oh, their dynasty's over, it's all done, it's all downhill from here. And they turned it around and they went and won a you know yeah. a third flag in four years. So and um, you look at North Melbourne. Uh, I can't remember what year it was where they won eleven games on the trot, um, top of the ladder yeah. after yes, round this. eleven. Yeah. Then they didn't win a game for the rest of the year. But yeah. that's how quickly it can just change. Like yeah, you, you can just keep that momentum going, but eventually you your players are going to get tired and young players, especially they can't keep up that same level of play week in, week out for 20 odd games. It's mm. even your senior players. It's a ridiculous thing to ask to keep that level of intensity every single week and yeah. just expect them to perform at that level. You can't expect that from them. So yes, yeah, 
it's a long way to go. It's a long season. And as we said, the Richmond Tigers, they were destined to not make the final last year. And look what happened. Things changed. Things change. And, you know, like I think if you look back at the game, you know, against the Crows, you know, it started off, it seemed like there was just this period of play and it was pretty much the entire first half where every kick for the goal that the Crows had was just being sucked through the goals or something. Like every angle, every distance, um, you know, there's just so much momentum with them and they simply couldn't yeah. be stopped. You know, Tex Walker kicked five for the match and was just launching missiles from downtown. And what was sort of strange though, Johnny, is that this match was statistically quite even. The Cats actually won the disposals 349 to 317. They won the inside 50s 52 to 51, were more efficient with the ball around the ground. They had 76.2% disposal efficiency to 71%. And they won the clearances 38 to 36 and laid 13 tackles to eight inside the 50. Now, to me, and I want to get your opinion on this, the final 10 minutes of the first half is what killed the Cats. They clawed themselves back to within, I think, about three and a bit kicks. Uh, and then they allowed the Crows to slam on three late unanswered goals, including one right on the stroke of half time to Tex Walker. And that ballooned the lead out to almost seven goals. If Geelong holds Adelaide there, uh, do you think they more than likely run over the top of them in the second half? Do you think that was the crucial 10 minutes in the game? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's that's a huge moment. Like it's when you get that run on and you do get so close, and then to allow those three goals through does do a lot of change of momentum quite hugely. And if the crows don't do that, the cats keep that momentum going into that quarter, and they would have, I believe, they would have run them over. Um, mm. quite easily and they nearly nearly did yeah but I also think it's, that's also the good thing the great thing about a home ground advantage is you've got the crowd behind you you've got that feeling of yeah the crowd's right there behind me and that can just carry and didn't on they get so many it? players oh absolutely and why not they haven't seen mm. much hope in a team for a long time so if any sniff of a win of a positive sign of a change absolutely mm. you're going to get run 100 percent behind it um mm. but yeah those those three goals were a telling blow to the cats and i don't think chris scott and the coaching staff would have to be too worried i think it's just ironing out those thing uh slow starts again I think it's something the Cats have always struggled with having those slow starts, but they always find a way to turn it around. But yeah, I feel like, yeah, it's just move on to next week against the um, Brisbane Lions, which I feel like is going to be a massive, massive game where I'm extremely grateful that's at John's Cats home ground. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's... That's going to be one game to watch out for in the AFLM. That's going to be pretty bruising, pretty physical, I reckon. And, yes, both teams coming off a loss that they were not expecting. Mm. They would want to turn around quickly. So it's 
Yeah, I'm expecting a big, big game and very excited, very excited for that game. The last two, and even the, uh, and AFLW games as well, but mm-hmm. I think we've got a couple of very exciting games. Well, they've got the same storyline. of They're both looking for the first win. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, and uh, just, just a couple of more points before we move on to the halftime, and that was... Um, I've seen some fans online saying, "Oh, the free kicks were thirty-one to fifteen, you know, in favour of the the Crows and it's biased umpiring, you know." But I think that stat was actually indicative of some sloppy play by the Cats at times, to, you know, to even give the umpire the opportunity to pay those free kicks. You look at another stat: the Cats also had sixty-two turnovers to fifty-four, and you know, in a match that was ultimately decided by two goals, that sloppiness and some of those mis- mistakes mm. proved costly. Another thing I thought was interesting, Johnny, um, was Geelong's defense. Now, they struggled to match up with the Crows' sort of style. I thought that the Crows were clever with their ball movement and really rabid with their run and pressure. And there was not a lot of those high and hope balls that they were kicking into their forwards where, you know, Stewart and Blixarves and, and Jack Henry, if he'd been there, um, you know, would float across and intercept. They were really sort of diced up by foot, a lot of hitting the lead, a lot of hand passing and breaking the lines. You just think the absence of a guy like Zach Tui in terms of his experience, you know, that was a big loss for the Cats in terms of, you know, what they were able to do on defense. Yeah, yeah, I reckon it would have. Um, well, the Cats' defense have been such a strong, cohesive unit for nearly all of 2020, like you really saw Tui missing Hen- Henderson, Henry, Blitkavs, Taylor, mm. they're always that core group of guys. So when you do lose two of those guys, it's going to affect how you work as a team and two new guys coming in, they may not be able to gel as well so easily. So, yeah, I think there, there was a bit of a, missing element for the Cats in defence. Mm. Um, but that's something we're going to have to work on again for when Henderson, mm. Tui um, and some of the other older guys do end up finishing their career. So mm. I feel like it's something we've got to work on. And I think that's one thing that Chris Scott's really good at is bringing in the youth, bringing in those young players, giving that experience um, early on, um, but yeah, that absolutely, yeah, it was a, yeah, it was a different defense, and yeah, I think, I think having um, Walker really dominate the fourth line also maybe have chucked a few spanners in the Cats' defense. Like he, mm-hmm. I haven't seen him play like that for a long time. I don't think many people have. He looked that was deadly. Yeah, like, I don't. Yeah, we haven't seen him like that for a long time. He's always, like the last three years since since 2017, he's just hasn't been there, hasn't mm. just, his um, presence wasn't there. Yeah, the body really language there. has been missing sort of thing. I yeah, mean, body language. That, and that was up and about. He was up and about. And mm. when a big, big forward like Walker, Hawkins, mm. um, Lynch for Richmond, um, the King brothers for Gold Coast and Saints and mm. Kennedy Dixon, when they're up and about, they, they can bring the whole team up and really drive that 
confidence. And I think mm. that's that really helped the Crows. And it doesn't, yeah. And then it puts a lot of pressure on the defense to watch out for that one player. And then that's where they can pinpoint to those other players that are a, a lot more, got that more movement in mm. the forward line to make those good runs. And yeah. So yeah, it was, yeah, as I said, it was disappointing for the Cats. But, you know, on the other positive, it was fantastic for the Crows fans and just think that they thoroughly uh, 100% deserve. They deserve a bit of hope, a bit of redemption, as you would say, a bit of um, pride and Mm. just something to cling on to for 2021, going, this is what our best can be. We can be the grand finalist of 2020 we can beat just about anyone so yeah it's absolutely although it's one part of me is disappointed the other part of me is like yeah that's fantastic that's that's afl that's it's very (laughs) generous it's very generous of you john it's very generous we're very gregarious uh cats podcast here we're able to uh, say well well done to the opposition um and that's how we like it here um yeah i don't it's we don't want to just Unless it's Hawthorne. Who cares about Hawthorne? They can go. Exactly. (laughs) They can get stuffed. Um, (laughs) But anyone else, it's fantastic to see that the teams are really struggling to to see some positive um, results for them. <laughs> speaking speaking of the Hawks, I just want to mention an ex-Hawk here. Isaac Smith looked good, but I I just wanted to like yes. a bit of a so- side note. And if I had some like um, slow music saxophone or something, I'd play it here. But I think Isaac Smith could very quickly find himself uh, charging up the uh, the rankings of um, you know Jake's Plutonic Man Love uh, ah. ranking. Yeah, you know, like he's a he's a good looking uh, gentleman. Is Isaac Smith? I think. Well, it's when you see him play in the uh, when we were watching him, it was always like, "Ah, oh, Isaac Smith stuff him. Yeah, who's that bastard? Who's that bastard tearing us up?" And then <laughs> <laughs> he is you one see of those him in the hoops. That, you see him in the hoops. It's like, oh, baby, Ooh, baby. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's definitely one of those those players that <laughs> you love to have in your side. And yeah, it is good to have good. Um, it, it is always interesting to see an opposition player, um, mm. especially a fairly senior player, coming to your side and just come running onto the field and not miss a beat and just mm. play for the team. And I can't imagine it must be tough to go from a Hawthorne to a Cats where mm. the rivalry is so fierce, so publicly known. You know that mm. Hawthorne hates the cats and the cats hate Hawthorne. The fans hate each other. There's not much, there's no love there. No love at all. No, no. And to come to that, to our team and perform like it, that's just full credit to him. That was, it was good to see. And um, Easter Monday, it's going to be a, a rip snorter of a game. I Absolutely. feel like he's going to have a target on his back and I hope the Cats um, stand up and just give as good as 
Dirty Hawks gif. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Johnny. It's uh, it's a good spot to transition to uh, giving our best players. Um, do you have a one, two, and three for this game? I do. I most certainly do. Um, All right. You go first. You, you Off right. you go. I'm giving my uh, one vote to Mr. T. Atkins. I feel like he just played nice. a very good game. Um, he's slotting nicely into his new position. Mm. He looks to be enjoying it. Um, uh, two votes I'm giving to Brendan Parfit. I thought he I thought he played another. Mm. Oh, played a very good game for us in the midfield. Mm. Tried his heart out all game and yeah, like he's he's another one of those players that everyone's talking about and we're all expecting great things of him. Mm. And for my three votes, um, would. To, is to the man we're just talking about, Ooh. the Mr. Isaac Smith. Wow, nice. And I thought, what he, yeah, but he played a great game. I saw many runs from him that were just uh, fantastic. A couple of crucial goals for the Cats to mm. nearly get us over the line. And, yeah, just for him to come across from the fierce rivals to perform like that, I thought, why not? He deserves the three votes just for performing like he did for the um, for the cats. Johnny, uh, maybe um, Isaac Smith is climbing the the Johnny's plutonic man love oh. uh, rankings. There, he's uh, just uh, coming off with the best on ground. On the very nice best on ground. Uh, um... all right. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, all right, so uh, I'll flick over to mine. Now, I've got uh, the former Hawk um, with my one vote. So he can have my one vote, Isaac Smith. A couple of classy finishes and, and, and you know, as advertised. Nice. Um, my two vote, I will be giving uh, to... Oh, as my page goes running away. Um, I will be giving my number two vote to Cam Guthrie. Uh, I thought Cam Guthrie really nice. cracked in. Uh, 23 disposals, three marks, five tackles, six clearances, and kicked one goal one. Um, just a hard worker, goes about his business very nicely. And uh, I'm going to give my three votes to Brandon Parfit. Oh, uh, nice. Parfit with 18 disposals, nine tackles, which was a game high, and two goals to go with it as well. Uh, I really like the cut of Brandon Parfit's jib, and I think he will be um, a very, very good uh, player for the Cats, um, assuming he sticks around for a very long time. Um, Some um, others who were close there, Tom Stewart also was a – was one I considered. He had 21 disposals. 17 were kicks. Um, so, yeah, that was that was something. And I did also, statistically speaking, um, Patrick Dangerfield played very well, but we will get to some more news about Danger um, in the halftime show. So after week one, the Chaps Chat Cats team MVP votes for the AFLM sits with Brandon Parfit. On atop the standings with five votes, Isaac Smith, second with four, Cam Guthrie in third with two, and Tom Atkins 
bring up the bottom of the table with one. So we'll keep track of this over all 22 rounds, maybe the finals too as well. See how we go. But that See how is we go. the Cats AFL M side and the AFLW side wrapped up. And I think we should move to halftime. Now, I have promised for weeks and weeks a halftime jingle. So I thought it was finally time to make good on the promise and give you a halftime. Bring jingle. it on. Here goes. Your lollies are a spray from the coach. Lollies, absolutely. Spray. You get your cordial. Your lollies are a spray from the coach. Lollies, absolutely. Spray. That's what half times about. That's right. That is what half times about. You get your lollies. Spray from the coach. Very nice. Don't know what the horse is about, but anyway. I like it. It is half time on the Chat Chat Cats. Um, <laughs> just to run, run you through very quickly, um, we've got still doing the Chat Chat Cats squat squad, still doing the 55 squat challenge. 55 Aussies are diagnosed with breast cancer every day for the National Breast Cancer Foundation. We are doing 55 squats each for the first 31 days of March, and we'd like to raise $1,000. Look, we're still only hovering around that 300 bucks. We need need some chip in here uh even if you got you know two or three dollars chuck it in help us get there we've got what a week and a half well less than that eight days to get there every little bit counts even if we don't hit the thousand help us get up there uh, we'd love for you guys to go and chuck a few bucks in spread the word to your friends share the campaign if you can on your facebook every little bit helps and it goes a long bloody way to improving the lives of so many people in our communities and bulking up our thighs in a pretty major way. I've got mm. to say that. Uh, I need to start doing lots of cars. of steel. Yeah, absolutely. Um, might need to go up a pant size soon. I'll start tearing <laughs> them when I'm uh, you know, squatting. Um, the link is in the episode description to go and donate and also post it on Facebook as well. Or you can visit the website, the National Breast Cancer Foundation, and look up. The Chaps, Chat Cats, Squat Squad. Um, let's crack into this, John. I don't want to spend too much time going back and forth about this one, but it's a pretty major news story as far as Cats fans are concerned. Um, news coming out of their tribunal this evening that Paddy Dangerfield has been uh, given a three-week suspension uh, for his hit on Adelaide Crows player Jake Kelly. Uh Look, we discussed it on the day, and what I would say is if you're a dyed-in-the-wool patriotic cat supporter who sees uh, no good beyond Geelong doing well and other teams doing poorly and, and you know everything a Geelong Cats player does is golden in your eyes, then maybe block your ears for the next couple of minutes because I feel like uh, this is where, Johnny, you and I, where Cats fans died in the wool, but... Yes, absolutely. Um, I I personally think for that this was an entirely appropriate suspension. Um, what about you? I'll let you have a crack. Yeah, first. it's 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 one of those things that the AFL has said they they want to see less head injuries. Um, the concussion mm. is such a serious um, issue in the AFL. What? How many times have you 
heard of player like ex players coming out saying they've had um head issue um not brain issues or mental health issues mm -hmm. from concussions so i think that it's, it's absolutely fair um suspension um it's set a standard that i hope the afl follows because i feel like that a lot of times when they do set a standard they set it for one week and then you see other incidents that are so similar that don't get the same result so i just hope that this is a standard if you do that if you leave the ground and decide to bump and it causes um, knock someone out they've got to be stretched off then the minimum is three weeks now I think that's the yeah. standard that's set by the AFL. They've got to follow that. Mm. Um, if they're serious about wanting to um, help players from concussions and reduce that threat, then they've got to put their foot down. They've done it with Paddy Dangerfield now. They've got to stay at that level because it is such a big issue. Set. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Um, I've got... I've got no issue. I thought he chose to bump. Um, he knocked a player out cold. He had to get mm. stretched off. He's going to miss um, 12 days of footy now, mm. that player, because of the new rule that if you do have a concussion in the AFL end season, that you've got to sit out for 12 days. So I feel like that if you're solely responsible for that player missing 12 days, then why not? yourself miss that same amount of days because it's not fair on one team to lose a player like that and then the person who's solely responsible just get off Scott Freeze. If they're serious about it, they need to show they're serious, which I mm. believe they've done with this incident and now there, there it is. There, it's, it's, yeah, they've got to stick by it. Yeah, I mean, I think we talked in the group chat about this and I said that I thought, you know, three to four weeks was probably what he'd get. And, you know, he gets to three weeks. I think it's fair. I don't think it's excessive. I don't think it's too lenient. I think three weeks is appropriate. Um, I've got a little bit of a rant on this. Um, and one particular part of this that I just want to get off my chest. Now, the incident itself, I felt was, you know, there's a lot of words being chucked around here is it severe is it high contact is it malicious the words that come to mind for me that was that it was unnecessary um and careless now i looked up the the dictionary definition of of what careless means now i, I didn't think malicious didn't fit this malicious was you know by the dictionary definition that's intending to cause harm now that's that's more of like a tackle when you grab someone and you sling chicken wing the chicken to the ground, tackle. you're giving a chicken wing and yeah. your yeah. idea is to hurt them. So, so it the wasn't theory. malicious, but to me, no. this was careless. And careless is defined as not giving sufficient attention or thought to avoiding harm or errors. And that's what this was to me. And, and again, I'm just an idiot on a podcast. I wasn't there on the field, all those things. But to me, what looked like happened was... Patrick Dangerfield got run down from behind after having a good chance to put you along inside the 50. And, you know, the ball comes out to, to Jake Kelly. He runs with the football through the 50, delivers a kick after the kick is gone. 
And I'll admit it's a, you know, it's a couple of, it's a split second or a long split second after the kick is gone, Dangerfield, you know, hits him. Now, one of the, this is where my rant begins, John. And that is, what is this fairy tale bump? You know, we've got the word, it's a bump. To me, a bump is defined as side to side as you both go for a ball or whatever, you know, you bump someone off shoulder to shoulder, you know, side to side. This to me felt like a hit. He went, now Dangerfield had the opportunity, looked up, didn't go for a tackle, didn't go to smother the ball. He was late. He was going to run into the guy. He braced himself for impact. He hit the guy front on pretty much. Now that Jake Kelly didn't have the opportunity to brace for contact, um, you know, he, here's what it boiled down to for me. He left his feet to initiate the contact. The guy ultimately, like you said, gets stretched off. Um, you know, is bleeding from the face um, on the deck. And the thing that annoys me, John. Now this stuff happens, and you know, Dangerfield's going to cop his suspension. He'll come back. He's a great player. And he's, he's been careless to me. To me, this is a little bit of letting your ego get in the way. Now, I was an idiot on the soccer field when I used to play. And if I got felt embarrassed or whatever, I would go after a player. And you take your frustration out. You're careless. You become careless. And I'm just lucky I didn't cause someone an injury. So I get the headspace that you're in when this stuff happens. But it's not okay. And it's why I deserve to be red carded when I used to play soccer. It's why Dangerfield, <laughs> it's why Dangerfield deserved to be suspended. Okay? Because you have to learn. Yes. And the thing absolutely. that pisses me off, John, is the bloody boys club that comes out to defend this shit. Okay, so you've suddenly got people piling in and you've got Rory Sloan from the Crow saying, oh, it's just a bit of a incidental thing and the, these things happen and, oh, he's got a bit of a hard melon and all this sort of stuff and, and it just happens. Just say it like it is. What you mean is I'm okay with these kind of hits in the game. To me, that's what this means. I, I'm okay yeah. with these kind of hits. I think it's part of the game. Don't spin us this fairy tale bullshit about, oh, it's a bump or it was an accident. Um, you know, what does that even mean? You, you know, like, well, he, he, I just don't like this culture about, it's like they think, oh my God, if you take this out of the game, if we can't have, you know, a couple of players every year sprawled on the ground, bleeding from the face, mate, you're just ripping the testicles out of footy. It's, it's like, come on. Like, aren't, <laughs> isn't, if the AFL wants to get serious, you know, uh, about, protecting its players. And I'm talking to AFL overall, AFL M, AFLW, footy, the AFL governing body. If it wants to be serious about protecting its players and players taking responsibility, you know, the duty of care thing, this was careless. It left a guy injured, like you said, out for 12 weeks. I'm I'm sick of all the ex-players. 12 days, 12 days. 12 days, 12 days, not 12 weeks. I'm just sick of all, (laughs) I I get sick of the, 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 the footy community coming out and trying to, it's like some sort of gaslighting where they're just coming out and saying, oh, it was just a bit of a bump. It was this, it was that. Just don't bullshit us. If you are happy yeah. with this sort of contact in the game, just fess up to it. And if you're not happy with it, say it. Be honest. It's okay yeah. to be honest. That's how we develop as a society. It's- anyway, that's my rant. 
I'm, I, I think it's the, the, sorry, you go. I just, I think that the bump is all good. If it's shoulder on chest, shoulder mm. to shoulder, that's fine. Um, if your feet are on the ground and you're both going for the ball and you just want to get the other player out of the way and you bump them out of the way, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. I think when you do see a player that has disposed of the ball and then you see another player come in, their feet are off the ground and they're going in for a bump, that's when it just gets real dangerous because as dangerous as it is, there is a duty of care to protect yourself. But, yeah, sure, you as a person who's engaged in a bump can protect yourself, but the person who's not seen it coming in, they can't protect themselves. What are they going to do? They can't just... They're focused on where they're disposing the ball off to. So not only is you're responsible for protecting yourself, you should also be responsible for protecting the player or looking out for the player that you're going after. And, yeah. and I- if that means you have to, you know, grab them and give them a hug <laughs> or a tackle. Well, that's that's what I give don't away understand. free kick. So but yeah, you do. I think you do. <laughs> if you Grab them and you both fall to the ground. Sure, you may give away a free kick, but surely that's better than getting suspended for so long and sending this player off on a stretcher, missing game a few games. Like, there's better ways and, around than bumping like that. And so you're acknowledging in that point where you say, well, I needed to protect myself because of this hit. And and I'll ju- and then you just say that well, okay that's a hit that you're initiating. Yeah, you're protecting yourself but- from a hit that you're initiating because you acknowledge that it's a potentially dangerous situation for you. Okay, well then why are you initiating that situation? Well, anyway, we can get into the weeds about yeah. it, and 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 I know that it's going to piss a lot of people off that 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 we hold this opinion. The thing is, I just thought it was an ugly look. It was clearly a late hit, no, and if that. Now, flip that. If that was, say, Rory Sloan or Tex Walker lined Dangerfield up that way, the Cat Cats fans out there, and I love you guys to bits, but you would be saying, give him six weeks. It's a brutal hit. You yeah. And this is the problem where, when you become jersey blinded and you, you look at the players wearing your colors differently to the players that, that aren't. And, and this is the thing that the AFL has taken appropriate action. I've seen people on Facebook going, oh, I shouldn't have got any time. So, well, can't we hit anymore? You can hit, but you have a duty of care to look after your, your peers around you as well. Yeah. And to me, That's... it wasn't split second. And it, you, you could see it coming a mile away yeah. on, on TV. You can um, see that happening. Yeah. Anyway. And you just look, as I said, the AFL is very serious about concussions and the effect they can have. How many young up-and-coming players' careers have been ended because of concussions? Look at um, Paddy McCartan mm. for St Kilda. Mm. Uh, who else? There's, there's plenty of other young guys who were mm. destined for this great AFL career and because of concussion, it's, mm. they've had to retire. And it's one of those things that we need to take serious because it is a career for these guys. It is setting up their life later on. And it's the long-term stuff too. Like it's the long-term concussions. Like what, well, like you're not just talking about these, you know, 12 days or whatever, like, okay. So what if you really wipe someone out 
and and then you know a, a few years or you know to you know 20 years after their retirement they're starting to develop you know conditions related to you know repetitive concussion injury anyway it's yeah. it's just the thing i just think i i guess i just wanted to vent because it gets frustrating when you see people like i say being jersey blinded just yeah. view it for what it is i i don't think we need to see that in our game to feel like our game is tough i haven't seen that yes. happen in the aflw and i still no. feel like the aflw is a physical competitive league there's still plenty of hits there's still plenty of physicality you see it with the majority of hits in the aflm so these are the outliers and we don't want the outliers we want to get rid of these types of hits if anyway, you want are you happy to put a oh sorry you go nah, Finish I'll just, I'll say, if you want to see players taking each other out in fist fights go watch free highlights and replays from the 80s 90s 70s yeah. and all that yeah but that's a different era. We're moving into a new era where this medical science and all that has advanced a lot more and we know a lot more and yeah, we've got to, mm. we do have to start looking out for these, these players. Cause yeah, let's move footy's, on. Let's move on. Footy's, yeah. Footy is such a small part of people's ah, lives. It is. Ultimately, you know, like it's a small time in your life. Um, and you know, that's, that's even if you have a 15 year career. You know, so so for people who float into the league for say three or four years and then don't end up making it, um, and and that sort of thing, like it's an even smaller part of your life. So we have to make sure people come out the other side in good shape. So anyway, that's my rant. If we've pissed you off, cats fans, um, you're just gonna have to deal with that. That's the way yep. we see it, and that's it is what it is. All right. So, and I just want to be clear before we move on. It was careless, not malicious. He's going to yeah. copy his suspension. He'll come back. He's a great player and we can move forward. All right. Yeah, I, so, I think everyone can move forward. Yeah, it was careless. Yeah. It was stupid. Yeah. He'll learn from it. Let's all move on. That's one yeah. of the things that the AFL set the standard. Now they've got that follow to follow and let's hope they keep it. <laughs> Now, speaking of uh, stupid, uh, we've got the week eight AFLW team of the week. Um, this has been a contentious one. Now, last week we, we had the Angels sing because um, Amy McDonald was Amy McDonald, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, it was a McDonald. All right. Well, for some reason, week... um, Megatron, for some reason, not there yet. Not there yet. Um, so this week, the uh, AFLW Team of the Week. Uh... <laughs> and it is... That's right. Megatron makes it in to the AFLW Team of the Week on defence. About... Fucking time, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it's time. Megatron finally gets the uh, the uh, respect she deserves and is on the AFLW Team of the Week for Week 8 on defence, starting for the AFLW Team of the Week. So oh, that's, that's awesome news. Fantastic. Um, Good work. Megatron. Absolutely. He'll always be one of our favorites. Always. 
always. Always, always. Um, that's a future two-time premiership winner for the Cats right there. Um, okay. So, so, yeah, you can you can book that, folks. You can absolutely book it. You heard it here <laughs> first. Um, so we can skip on down, skip on down to the VFLW. Um, the Cats were defeated uh, in absolute pissing rain by undefeated Port Melbourne, uh, 6-3-39 to 3-5-23. Yeah, girl, Stephanie Williams, Johnny, open the scoring. I know you're a big fan. Big you fan. Want the rocket. You want the rocket in the AFLW. So Stephanie Williams opened the scoring for the Cats early in the second quarter. They trailed by 17 points against Port Melbourne at three-quarter time. Going to attempt a, uh, a name pronunciation here. Michelle Fedele? 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 Fedele. I'm going with Fedele. <laughs> All right. Anyway, Michelle Fedele, I'm probably wrong. I will be corrected. Um, kicked two goals in the final term as the Cats fought back hard. But Port Melbourne proved just a little too clean with the football and took their chances in front of goal. Uh, midfielder Annabelle Johnson was named best on ground for the Catters, playing what her coach described as probably her fourth or fifth game of football in her life. Um, also, per the coach, uh, Coach Bruce there, she uh, he said that uh, Johnson worked really hard, used the footy really well, and marked the footy in a contested manner quite well. Uh, German import Theresia Meissner, Continued strong down back, and Maddie Boyd gave her all in the ruck. Um, nice. Now the Cats are going to look to bounce back against the Western Bulldogs next week at Witten Oval. Um, Johnny, do you think it is time we gave we we cooled the Jets on Agent O last week? Do you think we should reach out again to him this week? We we've played at Coy for a week. Do you think we should reach we out? Have. Ooh. What do you think? I was thinking. Quite possibly, it could let's be that it. week that we we get him. Let's oh, let's yeah. call him. All, All right, right, let's Agent call o. in. Come on, boy. Agent O, our AFL, well slash VFL. He's our footy insider. All things footy. Uh, let's All get things on. All things. Thought door. AFL insider Agent O. He's always somewhere. He's finger on the pulse. Agent O. AFL insider. Agent O. He's always somewhere with his finger on the pulse. Agent O. Let's see if we can get hold of him. That's a nice sound drop. It is a nice sound drop. And you delivered and twice. I delivered. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is... With that sweet, sexy sound drop, he better answer the phone today. Oh. That's all I'm saying. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, I won't be happy, Jan. Spent a Not lot of time putting that up. Jan. Yeah. Come on, O. Come on, Agent O. We're sorry. You have reached a number that has been disconnected or is no longer in service. If you feel you have reached this recording in error, please check the number and try your call again. Sorry, what? What? Have we been calling the wrong number this every all this whole time? A number that has been disconnected. This is. Well, has this he is, just, I mean, has he just given us the old heave ho? 
Has he blocked oh. us? Or is he like, what, what's going on here? I'm very confused. Has he, has, has he blocked us or has he given us the wrong number that's just all of a sudden disconnected? What, what, what has he done? Has he, uh, that's, uh, that's tough to take. But, and that's... now I'm, <sighs> I'm actually, my, my concern now, as we've always said, it's a savage, um, it's a savage game the world of the footy insider and you know you build you build a vast network of friends to become a footy insider and do you know what else you build a vast network of john that would be uh le enemy that's right le enemy the <laughs> enemy um you, you do build um, a lot of enemies and um i i don't I, think someone's I, tried to take him out maybe this is my concern. Agent O, international man of mystery. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just hoping that one of these uh, other rival footy insiders hasn't abducted him or taken him out or is blackmailing him out of the business. I think we need to, to get on the case here and uh, maybe I reach out to do. A, do you know any good private investigators we could reach out to... Um, to, uh, undertake some not work. from personal ex experiences but i think we can have a we, could, we should do some research during the week and all right. uh all right see what we can find out all right well in honor of uh agent i will play him out with his sound drop and hopefully we'll uh discover um what uh you know has happened um yeah where he's being held against his will yeah afl insider agent o he's always somewhere he's finger on the pulse. Agent O. AFL Insider. Agent O. He's always somewhere with his finger on the pulse. Agent O. <laughs> yeah, so we'll, um, we'll, uh, we're thinking of you, Agent O, so we'll try and we work that out. Um, all right. You. Time for another sound drop. This, the show is full of them. <laughs> Everyone's favorite time. Oh yes, the wanker, the wanker. Everybody's favorite wanker. It's Hancorns, Hancorns, wanker of the week, of the week. Well, uh, we'll keep this brief in the interest of not making this the world's longest bloated footy podcast. But do you have a, <laughs> about do you one have, team? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you have a wanker of the week of the year nomination, Johnny? I do, and All right. it sort of ties in with our halftime show. And my Ooh. wanker of the week, well, it's more of a collective. It's the people who say that the AFL is no longer tough, that the AFL is soft. The old footy you know dinosaurs. I 100% disagree. I wouldn't like to go out there and play the game of AFL. Um, M, AFL, W, VFL, mm -hmm. um, it would be tough. It would be brutal um, because it is a tough game. There's, yeah, I, I disagree that people saying oh, they're just a bunch of uh, softies going out there. I mean, no, that's not true. It's a tough game. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're my wankers. The wankers who say AFL, M, AFL, W, AFL as a whole is soft. That's, I like it. Yeah. No, that's that's a good one. Um, 
I am going to, I had a couple on my radar. Um, one was um, Paddy Dangerfield's lawyer asking Siri during the, uh, the, the tribunal hearing to uh, tell the, the, the tribunal what the definition of um, severe was. That to me was almost reaching a level of wankerism. Um, yeah, that is. But however, um, in the interest of not being sued um, for naming a lawyer the wanker of the week, <laughs> yeah, probably, I'm, I'm crafty about these things. Yeah. Um, no, it's, so, so what I will do instead, alternatively, um, uh, and you know, perhaps that's just a sign of the times. Perhaps that is just what we do now. It's, it's been. Uh, you know, I'm not the first one to know. Maybe all lawyers are going to Siri for, um, you know, for their, you know, definitions and, and that sort of thing now. I mean, a lot Maybe. of doctors go to, go to Google. So um, so instead, I'm just going to nominate. This is a bit of a blanket statement. I'm going to nominate. It's in a similar vein to yours, John. There's a couple of absolute wankers on every single AFLW post who are still... Uh, trolling on about oh the scores the blah 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 the standard of footy all these bloody big babies having a bitch session about aflw and my thing to them is if you really don't like it that much turn off your friggin tally and shut up move on to something you want i can't stand yeah. these people who just want to bitch and moan and drag down the things that other people are into the things that other people are doing Get off. Go and talk about something you like then. If you don't like it, get out of the comment section. So AFLW trolls, piss off. You're my Kane Corns Wanker of the Week award. Nice. One we can all get behind. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's whip through these game previews, John, because uh, I need to get some uh, din-dins in my tum-tum. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's uh, start off let's, with. All the, right. Um, let's start it off. Bring it on. All right. Week nine, Cats, AFLW, to host, uh, not to host, they're going up to be hosted by the Gold Coast Suns this Saturday at 5 10 p.m. Now, the Suns were destroyed last week by the Blues, 87 to 27. I believe that was the highest score in the AFLW uh, of all time, the 87 by the Blues. Um, now, the Suns, like the Cats, go into week nine without a win to their name. It's losers take home. Uh, loser takes home the wooden spoon in 2021. So the stakes are high in terms of pride. No one wants to go into the offseason with a winless season to dwell on. Now, in terms of players to watch for the Suns, it's Lauren Arends, who averages 16.6 disposals per game and has gained a team high, 323.5 metres per game. You've got Alison Drennan, who has gained a team high, 19.3 disposals per game, 4.3 clearances and 7.3 tackles. And the Suns have a good spread of multiple goal kickers with Jamie Stanton, Madison Levi, Leah Kasler, and Sarah Perkins all having kicked three while Samantha Virgo and Kate Sermon have two each. Johnny, do you have any thoughts on this game, of what you'd like to see from the Cats in the AFLW? And then tell me what your score and prediction will be. Well, I think I've said it in the last few weeks, but I want to win. We all want that W. Mm -hmm. um, and we've got a good opportunity. We're coming off a very 
good, tough, hard-fought game against the Giants. Hopefully, the same pattern doesn't repeat where it's been rollercoastering, where we've had one really good week, one poor week, one really good week, one poor week. Hopefully, we can finish off on a high, have two good weeks of games, a couple of ways to win. Um, just that pressure, we put in the Giants, attacking pressure, mutual pressure, defensive pressure. I feel like they they can do it. They've shown that they can do it many times. They just need to do it two weeks in a row. And I think they will get the win if they play like they did against the Giants. I think it's going to be another low-scoring game. I don't think there'll be many goals scored between these two teams. They don't seem to be the high-scoring teams in AFLW. They both seem to struggle in that area. So I'm going to say the Cats 15 to Suns 10. I feel like it be a very tight fought game, but I just I feel like the Cats can get the edge over the Suns in this. I just feel like Alex, hopefully, hopefully our experienced experienced players, Cricket Grills, Amy McDonald, Mick McDonald, can get us over that line. And hopefully like Barber it. kicks a couple of goals. Yeah, let's see. Let's see a couple of goals for Barber. Well, if she kicks a couple, she'll have kicked all their goals in your prediction. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. I see, I, see, I see this one being desperate, hard-fought contest between two sides, neither of which will want to go back to the off-season empty-handed. I've got the Cats coming out and winning this one 41-27. to 27. I think it's all going to happen in Ooh. this last game. I think the Cats are going to click. They're going to find their thing. I'm predicting a close first half, but I think the Cats are going to run over the top in the second half. I think they're going to get the job done. I think this team is fired up to have a win. I think Olivia Barber might just bag a couple of snags here. And... Um, yeah, I think they can roll into the off-season as winners with a lot to build on. So I'm taking the Catters 41-27 to 27 over the Suns to nice. win by a couple of goals. All right. Let's go straight into the week two of the AFL-M. The oh, Cats. What a week. What AFL-M. a game. As they a, enter week two. Tra- uh, traveling up. Oh, no, they're not traveling to Brisbane. You said they're playing traveling. down at GMA, down at Cadinia. Brisbane's um, traveling to us. Yeah. Well, they, they should be. Yeah. Now, <laughs> Johnny, uh, last week, and I'll get your thoughts on this because you watched, but um, I'll just tee you up here. So Brisbane was undone by a Sydney Swans team that ultimately kicked 19 goals, 11, 20, 125 to 14, 10, 94. The game was locked at 52 apiece at the half before the Swans blasted the Lions with a nine goal to two third term to take 108 to 67 lead at three-quarter time. Brisbane outscored Sydney in the final term, but could never get close to make a serious challenge. Um, you know, they put a lot of lipstick on the pig at the end there with some late goals to, to make the game seem maybe closer than it was. Uh, Brisbane got fairly smashed in the disposal count, 368 to 305, and their disposal efficiency was at 67% compared to Sydney's 75.5%. The Lions did, ju- did just shade the clearances, 32 to 30, but they were outmarked 89 to 63. And inside 50, that was 23 to 5 with marks. And despite all of the targets, uh, like Danaher, that they had acquired, uh, they were also out tackled 52 to 41. 
was that a fair reflection for you, Johnny, of how the game went? How, how did this look with what you saw of it? Yeah, I think those stats sum up the game pretty much. Pretty much as, as I saw it, it was a game that, as I said earlier in the in the podcast, that um, the Swans were just very desperate for the win, um, just like the Crows. And the Lions played very similar to Cats where they may have thought this was going in, it's a win for them. That it should be a W in the column, and they move on to week two. They maybe they're thinking a week ahead. Maybe they were, maybe they had other thoughts on their head. But they just, yeah, they just didn't seem there. And they just, yeah, they just got outplayed by a more desperate team for the win. The Swans looked good. The Swans looked really good. They looked like um they could be a threat to many teams this year and. The rumblings in the media is um, Buddy Franklin's coming back, so that's another boost for the Swans. Mm. But yeah, I just felt that the Lions they just looked a bit laxed, a bit lazy, a bit you know not really laying the tackles as what they were last year. Um, just yeah, they just didn't seem the presence wasn't there. Um, and for a Premiership favourite. For this year, um, it was very bizarre to see a team that many has hyped up to be real contender to perform like they did. So they'll be pretty keen to turn that around. And so the Cats, um, it's as I said, I'm really looking forward to both these games this weekend because it's both teams for AFLM and AFLW are looking for a win. They both will want a win. Um, AFLW will want a win to end the seasons and the AFLM want a win to get the season going. So I'm expecting a very tight, brutal, physical game. Um, it could be a bit of a goal test as well. Mm-hmm. But that being at, uh, I'm pretty sure... 100% sure it's that GMHBA stadium. I, I think the Cats will run out winners this game. Fingers crossed. I think it'll be about 90 points to 80 points. Mm-hmm. It'll be that 10-point margin, I reckon, um, the Cats way. But I do expect a very ferocious game by both sides. They both know they're coming up against final finals-bound team. And, you know, it's going to be a very entertaining game. Um, Cats fans, get down there. Get loud. Get supportive. Bring your team home. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's it's going to be fun. So, uh, obviously, some some guys to watch here. Dane Zorko, 22 disposals, 6 marks, 6 tackles, 4 clearances, and a goal on the weekend. Daniel Rich, 23 disposals. 21 of those were kicks. 8 marks and a best on ground 641 meters gained also keep it on zach bailey who snagged three goals 16 disposals two tackles and 573 meters gained second most on the ground and i'd also look out for this entire lions forward line to be pretty fired up um, to give a better account of themselves given how much hype there was around the addition of joe danaher to a forward 50 that already included you know guys like eric hipwood now there's also a bit for the Lions to prove because they went up against the Cats twice last season. And, um, you know, the first time in round six, 
The Cats put on a run of nine unanswered goals, including seven goals three in the third term to turn a 22-point deficit into a 34-point lead and run out 73-46 to 46 winners. And then the second time they met in the prelim final up in Brisbane where the Cats arm wrestled with the Lions in the first half, taking a 35-27 to 27 point lead at the main break before decimating the home team with a seven goals to two second half to run out 40-point winners and book a spot in the grand final. Johnny, you and I are drinking the same Kool-Aid here because I have Geelong winning 14-8-92 to the Lions 12-10-82. So sort of that 90-80, 10-point <laughs> victory. Yep. I think this will be a really, really close, hard-fought game. But I, I think the Cats fans down there at Cadinia Park are going to get up and about for their uh, AFLM side. And I think the Cats will you know, have a point to prove. No one wants to start 0-2. Uh, they're on their home patch. They'll feel pretty disappointed how they came out of the gate last week. And, um, I mean, so will the Lions. So I, th- I just think this is just going to be a real humdinger of a contest. So I've got the Cats 92-82. to 82. John has the Cats 90-80. to 80, So we're and very much in the same ballpark. This Friday evening. Perfect. Thank you, John. 7.50 this Friday. So get on down to Geelong and watch the game if you can. If not, jump on the radio. If not, jump on the TV uh, and, and get and eyes not, on the game. jump on the podcast next week and get That's our recap. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if this is the only way that you get Even your if, cat's information, jump on. And anyway, if you do watch it, still jump on. And listen, we've definitely. got a big, exciting show next week. Massive show next week. Ah. Um, some uh, a, a very very special guest going to be joining us for the middle portion of the show. Um, maybe uh, might just surprise the audience next week right. with our very special guest. I, I think very that's, special. That's, yeah, I can't very wait. Excited! Oh. Um, so exciting! Um, so exciting! Um, it's fantastic, and yeah, can't wait. I'm excited. Yeah. I was. I mean, as a total hoping... side note, a total side <laughs> note, John, we, we, were you aware that um, Tamara Smith had 17 tackles a few weeks ago in one game? Oh, wasn't that aware that she had 17 oh, tackles yeah. a couple 17. of weeks? 17. 17 tackles. <laughs> we I mean, might have covered on the podcast. Get 17 <laughs> tackles in one game. <laughs> Don't know, but it's interesting Smith. to. Uh, yeah, That's who. Yeah. <laughs> be really interesting to um, ask how that all came about. So anyway, I guess you'll just have to wait till next week to find out, you know, what's happening with the show. Um, All right, guys, um, (laughs) if you like listening to the Chaps Chat Cats and you've got friends and family who might like listening to the Chaps Chat Cats, why not share it with them by word of mouth or share us on Facebook. Go and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe and follow on Spotify and Anchor. Send us an email. Help fill the mailbag. If there's something cats-related you'd like us to discuss, fill the mailbag. We've got a room full of, you know, cats who are working to stuff the mailbag. And they've got, you know, we only pay them when mail comes in. So, you know, if they <laughs> want to, you know, feed their their cat families, you're going to have to start sending in some mail so that we can justify Please paying do. them the <laughs> cat wages. Um, all right, guys. Thanks, Johnny, for, for jumping on. Always good to chat with thanks, you, Thanks, Mej. It's no worries. Pleasure as always.
Absolutely. Um, until next time, guys. You've been great. We've been reasonable. It's the Chap Chat Cats. Thanks so much for listening. Go Cats. Go Cats. Johnny's always wow. got to get his Go Cats in there. It's good. I always got to get the code Stuff. Go Cats. You have to. You have to. Absolutely it's... have to. Uh, if you don't say it, there's something wrong with you. I'm really worried about Agent O. Like, I'm starting to be concerned that maybe he's been captured by some sort of secret society and he's been held in some sort of, you know, Arctic basement. Ooh. Possibly. We're, we're, we're going to have to really find out what happened to him. I think so. We have, we have to find our private investigator. Yeah, I think so. Maybe this is a process we could have... Um, Maybe we can interview some candidates on the show. That's for true. The, um, for our private investigator. Um, that we should because, start you know, next we, week. Yeah, <laughs> if you're going to hire a PI, you, you want someone who's going to get the job done. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, if, you know, you're going to have to be dealing with the, you know, the mafia of uh, footy insiders that might have Agent O held hostage. Just might. We don't know who. Maybe Damien Barrett's got him. Maybe... Uh... Oh, oh, 360's got him. <laughs> the spectacle demon himself. The devil reincarnated. <laughs> <laughs>